Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, beautiful listeners, and welcome to Come to Your Senses. We've got a breezy topic for today's episode. Today's episode is about grief and the art of grieving through beauty, through expression, and through your senses. I believe that at the core of so much of what we name tension, anxiety, even anger, sadness, shame, at the core of all of those things is at least a thread of some kind of grief. Grief is often associated with the death of a loved one, but really we can grieve over anything. Some of the most profound grief of my life has been the ending of relationships, but really I'll grieve over canceled dinner plans. You know, it doesn't really matter grief appears on its own terms. And right now I'm in a grief cycle, kind of inspired this episode as I sat down to write. And I know some of the most popular episodes are around sensuality and allure and luxury and all these things. The real honest truth is that there's some grief going on in my life. And to me, coming to your senses is all about how to live with a human heart and play its song through the instrument of your body. And right now, as we speak, my little puppy dog, Winnie, is having an MRI. And what I've noticed today is I've been through several pretty significant grief cycles in my life. And the way that grief opens our heart to life's preciousness. So as I was preparing for this episode, I was writing about my dad and the death of my dad. And a friend sent me 
a song. She said, I don't know why, but I felt inspired to send you this song and it's called a song for our daughter. And this huge breeze just blew through my hair. And I was like, thanks dad. (laughs) It's almost like the heart opening of grief opens up a portal of comfort and synchronicity and divinity and beauty in life. There is magic in grief. I've heard it said that grief has a beginning and a middle, but it has no end. And so today's episode, as you've listened to what I've shared so far, your interest might be piqued and you're excited. If you're grieving currently, or if you're tapping into some uncomfortable feelings of grief, my heart is with you. And so my hope and prayer in this episode is that you Here's some gems to put in your own pouch that not help reduce your grief, but help you experience the expansion to accept it and to be able to grieve more fully and more expressively and to be more comfortable with this inevitable aspect of being a human. So with that, we will dive into our gems but to completely switch gears, (laughs) I want to say that uh, this week I am beginning a whole new cycle with new clients in embodied intelligence. I've been talking about the program a lot on this podcast. And so I currently have a wait list for coaching clients until I have availability in the fall. But if you go to embodiedintelligencecoaching.com, you'll find a place to fill out a interview application and have a conversation with me and begin a payment plan. If you'd like to become a coaching client, begin a payment plan that's more like six months than it is three to spread out your payments. So if what you hear here on the podcast strikes a resonance with you, and you are interested in having a more intimate relationship with me and being a companion and guide on your path, head to embodiedintelligencecoaching.com. The link for that will be below this episode, wherever you get your podcasts. So in preparation for this episode, I researched a little bit about some of the traditions that our world holds around grief, such as the Jewish tradition of sitting Shiva, which is a period of gathering and remembering and where a kind of signature aspect is and tradition is covering mirrors to bring the focus off of oneself and onto the person that's been lost. Hindus believe in reincarnation or moksha, which is the ultimate union with God. Buddhists' death ritual, one of the death rituals in Buddhism, is the Tibetan sky burial, where the deceased is staked out on a mountain and eaten by vultures and other scavengers. And I have a friend who, when they die, wants to be uh, smoked. (laughs) 
(laughs) in like an herbal cigarette where the ashes are put into the cigarette or drank as tea. And so the one thing that we know, the one common thread amongst all of these is that death and transition is sacred. And in most traditions, there is an aspect of enfolding the deceased in beauty and reuniting them with the elements. It's a very earth-based kind of tradition. And once again, these rituals can be used for the death of a loved one, but really any kind of ending can inspire a ritual for grief. And so the first gem I named as floating in the river of grief. Sometimes the pain or the discomfort or the suffering of grief doesn't necessarily come from the grief itself, but it's pushing against it and fighting the current of it. So when my dad died, he died after a very sudden bicycle accident several years ago. And so it helped me to create an altar to him at the funeral a beautiful assembly of photos. And there were just signature items about my dad, like his red and blue tie and his hair comb and his shaving cream, his old spice. And, you know, just these things, his IBM pin where he worked for 30 years and just these objects that held his resonance. And what was interesting is that at the funeral, people would gather around the altar more than they would gather near the coffin. I think because they could feel him there. And when I got home from the funeral, I set up a similar altar in my home and I would just have grief sessions every day where I would light candles and I would sit in front of the altar and I would look at his photo and I would sing the songs that we sang at his funeral and just cry and just let the waves of grief run through me because the grief was there anyway. For me, turning away from the grief wasn't even really an option. And that's not to say that that's a wrong way to grieve. You know, one of the things that I've learned that has so helped me in the process of grieving is that everyone's grief is individual and there is no right way to grieve. There is no wrong way to grieve. And so I really cannot say that enough as you listen here and hold this up to the light of your own process. As always, with what's shared here on the podcast, I encourage you to hold it up to your own life experience and see how it rings for you before taking it as truth. So I would sing these songs and I would cry and I would wail and It just made it so much easier knowing that I had an appointment with my grief. I mean, I didn't plan it, but I would pretty much do it every night. And then, so when I was carrying it throughout the day, it's like, okay, when I get home tonight, I'll be able to really give this feeling the attention that it needs. I've also done that with breakups. I once kept a yoga mat out in my living room so that when I got home, I could just very dramatically stumble and just collapse on the floor and cry because I was so sad and so heartbroken. After my divorce, I would wear a shirt with a hole in the chest 
And after a di- another breakup, I actually created like a construction paper heart that I cut up into a million pieces and then pasted onto another heart with glitter glue and would wear it around because when you have a broken arm or a broken leg, it's visible. When you have a broken heart, it's not visible. And so seeing myself in the mirror and riding the subway with this broken heart, visible broken heart was really therapeutic for just remembering I am not, I might look like I am put together, but I am shattered inside. So art and beauty and song, and I even made a collage around my grief once I took all these kind of difficult, demented images. And with the death of my dad, I had some conflicted grief because I was holding on to some anger at him. And so it was like, I felt anger and grief at the same time. And I didn't know how to reconcile those two. And so seeing all of those feelings and all of those emotions in a collage together, just really helped me reconcile what was going on inside of me. The second gem is mindfulness. So grief can manifest in a million different ways. And one of the ways that I've noticed it manifests for me is in anxious brain chatter, also known as discursive thought. And meditation and mindfulness, and particularly seated silent meditation, has given me an opportunity to experience my mind chatter and all of the feelings and sensations that go along with it without having to interfere or wrong myself for having them. So for example, one of the things I've learned from consistently sitting on the cushion is that thoughts just happen. And just like the ears hear, or the mouth tastes, the brain thinks. And that has been extremely liberating for me, especially when I'm grieving and I'm having all of these racing thoughts to just notice that my mind is thinking and whatever it might be thinking, whatever it might be showing me in this moment is different from the present moment. One of my favorite quotes from Pema Chodron is, your thoughts are not the present moment. They might be happening in the present moment, but they are different from what is actually happening. Byron Katie also says, reality is often much kinder than our thoughts. And yet the thoughts are going to happen. No matter what you do, the thoughts are going to happen. And so mindfulness and meditation has given me such a gift in being able to hold and sit with those thoughts and notice that my thoughts are different from who I am. And also feeling my feelings, you know, in mindfulness, we hold the sensation of feeling and work to separate it from story. And this has given me so much compassion for myself and has also empowered me to see that my feelings are mine. So I'm specifically talking about breakups. <laughs> breakups have been really, 
really big teachers for me about holding my own heart. And something that I've noticed is that when I'm going through a difficult ending of a relationship, and it could be the ending of a friendship, I've felt really deep grief over the ending of friendships. When my heart is just aching out of my chest, what my mind tells me is that it's about that person. And if they would just come back, or if they would act differently, or if they would apologize to me or whatever, this pain would go away. But when I hold the pain and the discomfort for what it is, I can see and sense and notice that this often has nothing to do with the person or the situation. This is just the human experience of, ouch, my tender heart. And so once again, there are a lot of different ways to deal with and to process strong sensation and mindfulness and particularly compassion-based mindfulness has been a really helpful one for me. The next is inviting others into your grief. So in every tradition, there is a gathering to honor that which has been lost. And some of the most powerful grief rituals I've been to have been heartbreak parties. After, once again, breakups, I've been to a heartbreak party for another girlfriend. I've had heartbreak parties myself. And one of the things that I think is really different is that we all have ways of processing loss through celebration. And when I was in my 20s, one of the ways I would process heartbreak is to say, girlfriends and like gather up my girlfriends, like we're going out and drink lots of margaritas and bash my ex and go make out with a stranger on the dance floor, which would provide real immediate relief, you know, and was in its way a very sacred grieving ritual. And now in my late 30s and 40s, I process these things a bit differently. And once again, one is not better than the other. It's just what's true for you at that time. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I once had a heartbreak party where we did movement around brokenheartedness and pulled oracle cards and talked about the gifts and what I've lost from the relationship and what I want to honor and the broken dreams of the relationship. And gosh, knowing that I don't have to do this alone and knowing that others see me. And there was also a time where my friends affirmed back to me that this was right, you know, because during times of loss, it's like your nervous system cannot process the nuance of something like a breakup with a friend or with a relationship, a loved one. All it knows is that it's being abandoned and having my friends mirror back to me what they could see without that level of emotional activation that I was experiencing was everything. I mean, it just totally affirmed and strengthened the part of me that knew that I would survive this and I would move on to have a different and most likely better experience. And you don't need many people for a heartbreak party. It doesn't have to happen at a event hall. <laughs> it can be you and your best friend or it can happen over FaceTime. 
You can request that friends send you emails or comforts or cards. One friend dropped off a care package. She just put it on my porch, didn't even ask to come in. Just, hey, I'm thinking of you. Um, I even know someone who, Jack, the stripper on Instagram, Jack Francis, Jacqueline Francis, she wrote a one-woman show, a comedy show, which is actually on tour right now. And it's called Divorced in Paradise. And she actually set up a divorce registry when she got divorced, which I thought was just really genius. And the final gem is that no matter what you do, no matter how much you process, no matter how many altars you build, time takes time. So in a really, really intense grief cycle, I pretty much made it my full-time job. Well, in reflecting back on it, I was going to say I made it my full-time job to grieve. But really, when I look back on it, I made my full-time job to fix myself, to do all the therapy, to do all the books, to, you know, whatever, go to the movement classes, process, cry. And I was trying to strategize my way out of my pain. And a friend said to me, you know, no matter how much strategy you throw at this, time cannot be rushed or controlled. And when I think about a cut on my finger, I can put on the Neosporin, I can use a Band-Aid, I can pray for it, I can try to figure out what Louise Hay (laughs) message it's trying to send me. But ultimately, its healing is in time's hands. And I'd love to close this episode by reading to you uh, something from a Reddit post. I don't know the author of this. Uh, It comes from a screen name called G. Snow. As for grief, you'll find it coming in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float. Stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are a hundred feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you the time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe. You can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the wave comes crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you'll find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday... Christmas. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, 
you know that somehow you will again come out on the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. So thank you so much, beautiful friends, for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and leaving a review. You have no idea how much it means to me to read your reviews. I cherish every single one. And it also helps me share the podcast. So my gratitude in advance, you can head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash review if you need to learn how to leave a review. And if this episode was meaningful for you, I would love to hear from you. You can always send us an email at hello at schoolofsensualliving.com and my team will make sure that that email gets to me. And I'm grateful to have you as a listener and grateful to share my heart with you. And we'll see you in our next episode. For coaching, classes, and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series on how to reduce anxiety and intercept the stress response through powerful, confident body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash confidence to watch your first video today.